the game from Billy Press Box Radio, Bill Perkman, and Jim Chesco. It's Wednesday, June 10th, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesco. Hey, Chet, it's been another crazy week in the world. Still no sports. Baseball negotiations seem to be continuing down the wrong path. When are we going to get this thing done? I'll tell you, with each passing day and no deal as we enter mid-June, it's less likely that there's going to be any sort of baseball season. We'll talk about that a bit later. But, you know, Bill, I've had to deal with my own personal problem and issue, a very serious one. I was without cable TV on the home front midday Saturday till this afternoon. It was exactly 100 hours. Now, you got to remember, I'm a TV addict. So that was pretty rough. But they just did get it back this afternoon. You know, it was tough because I was supposed to pretend that I was doing productive things around the house. I had to talk to my family. It was a challenging four days. <laughs> well, I can tell you what, Jed. I watched a little bit of TV during that 100 hours, and you didn't miss one thing. <laughs> I was hoping to wipe out some of the stuff on my DVR. I got like 60 hours of great quality stuff on my DVR that I didn't get to watch Saturday and Sunday. Well, that might have been okay. DVR is something you actually like. I did actually uh, watch the last two nights. I watched uh, the 2008 Phillies Dodgers series. Uh, a couple of those games were on. So I did watch that. And I'm going to tell you, uh, watching Brad Lidge close out games uh, 12 years later, he was still pretty good. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I did not get to see any of that this time around, of course, because of the cable situation. But I think I know how it turns out. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Well, it's kind of like you and that Sixers basketball team <laughs> watching. Well, yeah. hey, uh, you know, Chet, good news is the NHL and the NBA appear to be pushing forward. Uh, we're going to have great guests tonight uh, returning to Philly Press Box Radio. Inquire.com Flyers beat writer Sam Carcidi will be joining us. And Bucks County Carrier Times Tom Moore will talk Sixers with us. So I'm really – I really want to hear what these guys have to say. I know they're going to be tuned in to – when the season's going to start, when things are going to go, and how they're going to go, I, I'm really interested to see how this goes. Yeah, two of our favorites, and it is going to be great to have Sam on with us live. I've interviewed him four times, I think, previously for the show, but with no live hockey commitments just yet anyway, he is able to join us right here live on the show for the very first time. And in addition to general hockey talk, he's got uh, this great new book out, it's about the Flyers, of course, the Big 50, and he will talk about that with us uh, at some point in the interview. So it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, like I said. And, uh, you know, Chet, speaking of hockey, Mr. Hockey, um, birthday would have been today. Mr. Hockey, Gordy Howe. Really? How old would he have been? I believe he would have been 89 or 90. Yeah, yeah, we lost him, I guess, just, what, two years ago? Two years and ago. one of the all-time greats, certainly. Absolutely. Well, hey, um, Chad, while we're waiting on Sam, um, the, the news around the baseball, we'll, we're going to get into this once we're, we're, we finish Sam and the hockey, but, uh, you know, the, this thing around barely not going well, and it's it's like bad volleys back and forth, it seems. <laughs> I'm going to save my rent for a little bit later on, but, yeah, I'm not happy. I mean, they just keep throwing out these numbers. Let's do 104 teams games. Let's do – 52 games. Let's go for 89. But yet 
they throw those numbers out, but they can't seem to agree on anything in terms of the the money. I mean, they're all going to lose money, not make as much as they would have made otherwise. But you know, it's it's the coronavirus. It's that kind of year. Suck it up for one year and keep the fans that you have because otherwise you're going to lose a lot of them. Well, yeah, and and I think you know, I think sports as a whole is it is is at a turning point here, Chet. There's a lot of things that can go certain ways with these these sports and these athletes and the world situation we're in that could be um, could could turn out to be a real mess. Let's uh, I guess that's the best word I can use at this point. Well, it would be fitting for, you know, <laughs> the way this year has gone. So, boy, I don't know. I don't know what things are going to look like, you know, a month from now, let alone three months from now. So it's like one day at a time, you know, in this case, because we just don't know. We don't know if there's going to be more problems with the virus or, um, you know, more unrest or, or whatever. So I think everybody's just being very tentative right now. You know, I'm not willing to buy any Eagles tickets just yet because who knows if those games are going to happen and you got to deal with all that stuff. So I don't know. Well, Hey, I think you, you might need to look down and see if you have a message because I think you might've just gotten a message that you need from Mr. Corcini. No, I have not, but uh, I, I messaged Billy to try to call Sam. So give Sam a call with that number that I gave you and see if we can track him down. Maybe he dozed off or something. All right. Very good. Well, uh, the, the other thing, um, Chet, football, you know, we, we don't really have football on this agenda because we were going to talk more about the other three sports, football being the furthest one out. You mentioned about not knowing whether to buy tickets. You know, college football, um, you know, Alabama shows up. They got coronavirus guys. Uh, Auburn does. Oregon does. Utah, Utah does. Um, you know, this isn't good. This isn't good for college football or team sports. Yeah, it really isn't. And, uh, you know, the positive tests that some of those players had, uh, what, what are the plans right now? I mean, obviously they're planning for a season, but are teams planning on having fans in the stands? What do you know? Uh, I think they have it still wide open. If I were to be leaning, you, did you see, I didn't get to read the article. I just saw the headline where J, Jay Wright said he kind of has an expectation that um, they may play basketball in empty arenas. Well, basketball comes after football. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that today. That was like, today. As a matter of fact, he said it with uh, with Ray and Glenn on uh, on their little show they do, that little deal yeah. they do. I believe yeah, that's, that's what it was said. I didn't get to listen to it, but I just saw the headline. So late November, yeah. That's and you know if that's the case, then you've lost the NFL, you've lost the NCAA football. Um, it's just it's like you say, sports are at a turning point in in my thinking right now. Twenty twenty is great vision, but it's not a great calendar year. <laughs> no, right, right. Well. <laughs> uh, Hey, Sam is on his way, so he should be with us in uh, just a couple of minutes. Another thing I saw today, uh, this shocked me. NASCAR is not going to allow any more Confederate flags at their events. Yeah, it shocked the heck out of me as well. Um, All the good old boys. Again, again, it goes back to kind of where I was going without going all the way there. It's a turning point. This is 98 or 99% of their fan base are the good old boys. And, you know. Um, 
the, the fans pay pay the freight. You know, all those, especially in NASCAR, where uh, you got a million stickers all over cars and uniforms and everything else. Uh, you know, uh, they you know NASCAR made their decision, and there's a good good consequence, bad consequence. I guess there's good consequences. There, <laughs> you know, there's a consequence to the action. So whether it's good or bad, we'll see. Uh, but it, it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be interesting in all the sports. Well, while we wait for uh, Sam to connect with us, l- let me just get this off my chest. It's the whole baseball thing. And here's the deal. I'm not taking sides. I'm simply going to point the finger. I'm not going to say which finger at both the players and the owners for their inability to get something done by now. They've had so many chances. I mean, they knew from the time the coronavirus hit back in March and really took hold on the nation that it was going to wipe out sports mid-March. Now, March 12th, they canceled things. So they knew that no one was going to make as much money as they would have liked. That's life. But it's a joke that they still haven't been able to find any common ground. And now here we are probably just days away from a drop dead date in terms of the season. And it still doesn't seem like anything's going to happen positively. And the real crime is that baseball had the chance to be the first team sport back. They could have opened, you know, an 80 or 90 game season, 4th of July weekend, like the initial uh, speculation was. They wouldn't they would have gotten a great amount of attention weeks before other sports started up and maybe even won over some new fans. Now, well, hey, the national pastime is no longer that. Baseball has certainly fallen behind pro football and many people think it's also behind basketball now. And if there's no 2020 season, Bill, they're going to lose more fans who just may never come back. Well, you're right. And we'll, we'll talk some more about that for sure. Um, because there's a lot to talk about, but we, but we got something to talk about with hockey because we have found Sam, uh, welcome back, Sam to Philly press box radio. Let's find out what's going on with the NHL and with the flyers. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I apologize. I got tied up with something at work and, uh, uh, I, uh, lost track of the time here because That's of work, okay. but, uh, but, uh, I apologize and good to be with you guys again. All right. Well, Sam, great to see you, uh, live and in person. Uh, first question, you know, in the spring of every year, you're typically real busy writing about the flyers performance on the ice, their prospects for making the playoffs and the playoff action itself. How strange has it been for you this year, not to have any of that to write about? Yeah, it's been very strange, Chet. And uh, as you know, uh, uh, we've been, if you've been following us, we've been trying to generate stories every day. And it has not been easy because we haven't had the access we would like to have. And and uh, the players are scattered all over the world, really. Some are in Europe, some are in Canada, some are, some are local, but only a handful are local. So, uh, you know, we're doing our best and, and trying to come up with at least one story, sometimes two. Yesterday we had three, uh, just you know, flyer stories. So um, you know, it, it takes uh, uh, a little more creativity and 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 a lot of stories, you know, on the past. Like where are they now? And uh, I did a series which is still ongoing on the ten uh, best flyers playoff wins in history and uh, things like that. But uh, you know, the NHL has been slow with uh, with a news cycle. And, uh, and we still do not have a lot of things finalized. I mean, we know that the uh, training camps won't start before July 10th, probably a little later from what I'm hearing. And we know the season probably won't start till 
at least August, maybe mid-August, uh, maybe even mm-hmm. later. Some some reports are saying September. So wow, um, you know we're we're still in the dark with that, but uh, you know we're just all plugging along and and uh, trying to keep everybody interested in hockey. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to ask you: was the schedule? You pretty much covered it. Uh, have they? What is the delay? Is it the? Uh, is it getting all the? guys back over from, as you mentioned, all over the world, get them tested, get them lined up. Obviously they have to have a, a training camp to get back, you know, back in shape. Um, or there are a lot of other things behind the scenes that are causing those delays. Yeah. Like, there's some things, delays anyway? Right. There are some things behind the scenes. Uh, the players are concerned about their health and, and, and rightfully so. And, uh, and they're also concerned about being away from their families. They could be away from their families for two and a half months, something like that. And uh, so that's another concern. Uh, but as far as the logistics, uh, they have two hub cities that they're going to select and they haven't picked them yet, as you know. And, and the reason for that, uh, Gary Bettman said in a conference call the other day, that they don't want to go ahead and pick a city like let's just hypothetically say Las Vegas. They don't want to pick Las Vegas. And then by the time this tournament starts, that Las Vegas becomes a hotspot. So they want to make sure they don't want to announce the hub city until the last possible moment, just in case, you know, there's a, a break, a breakout of coronavirus in that city. And uh, I did talk to Bill Daly today. He's the deputy commissioner. And I asked him um, point blank. I said, you know, you're talking about hub cities. But let's just say, hypothetically, the coronavirus is really under control when you have the Stanley Cup finals. Is there any possibility that the finals would be in the home cities of the two uh, finalists? And is there a possibility that fans may be allowed in there? And he said, uh, you know, never say never, but that's not the way we're looking at it now. So at least there's a sliver of hope if, if you know, if everything's OK health wise. And of course, that's. That's the major factor. Everything is okay health-wise. Uh, you know, maybe you'll see, I, I'm just throwing a number out there, 25, 50% of the fans there. Uh, but again, that's a long shot. And uh, right now they are planning to have all the games, all the tournament games, including the finals in the hub cities. Will that change down the road? As I said, he left a sliver of hope that that could happen. But to me, the longer you wait on this, um, you know, the chance of, of another outbreak is out there. So I'm, I'm a little surprised that it's, they're, they're delaying this so long. Yeah. Let's get it going. Well, Sam, the Flyers go into it as it stands as the fourth seed, but they could move up, you know, based on that three-game round-robin setup with the Bruins, Lightning, and Capitals. The Flyers have nothing to lose in that case. Or am I right? Exactly right. I mean, they were the fourth seed, uh, you know, it, the the way the season was going, I think they had a good chance to to pass the Capitals. They were they were the hottest team in the league, as you know. When the play when play was paused, they'd won nine out of ten. And uh, I'm really surprised the way the NHL set up this round robin. To be honest with you, when they first announced it, they were very vague about it, and I just assumed that the Flyers could maybe advance from four to three because realistically they had a pretty good chance to do that. They were only one point behind the Capitals, as you know, but, you know, they're 11 points behind Boston. There's no way they were going to catch Boston. And yet this round Robin, the winner of the round Robin is going to be the number one seed. And the Flyers 
interestingly, out of the four teams that are competing in the Eastern Conference round robin, the Flyers had the best record in games with the four teams. They were 5-3-1, and one, you know, which is good, not great, but that was actually the best record uh, of any of the four teams if you look at the series between the four. So, uh, you know, they have a shot. And uh, I still think Tampa is the team to beat, uh, even though they're behind Boston right now. Wouldn't be surprised if Tampa became the number one seed after the tournament. And uh, but as you said, the Flyers have nothing to lose. They could they can't go down. They were fourth to begin with and uh, they could climb the number one, even if they get number three. You know, you'll take that because hypothetically, it uh, it gives you better matchups down the road because, as you know, they're going to have seedings and not a bracket. So um, which is very important. But then again, and I, I wrote this the other day in the Inquirer, you just never know in a tournament. Anything can happen. Uh, go back to 2010. The Flyers were the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference Final and had home ice advantage. That had never happened before. So they faced the number eight Canadians in the Eastern Conference Finals that year. So one through six were gone, and seven and eight were the last two standing, and the Flyers – of course, almost won the Stanley Cup that year. And a lot of people think they, they should have won the Cup that year uh, as a seventh seed. And, and of course, they got into the playoffs on the last day of the regular season. So uh, I think we're all just ready to have this thing restart, though, and, and get it going. Yeah, you know, uh, it's funny that, that you said that because it kind of reminds me back of, of football a few times where some wild cards team sneak in there and they end up getting to the Super Bowl. Um were you surprised when they went with the 2014 tournament and uh, being a little cynical that I sometimes can be, you know, to me, it brings in the New York market. It brings the Montreal market back into the play that probably weren't going to make the playoffs. Um, but there's certainly great fan bases to have as part of this. And do, do you like the idea of, uh, you know, it's, it's all in, everybody's all in and it's, it's basically, it's a tournament. It's not a season. Yeah, and it also brought in Chicago, which is, of course, a, a great market. And and I, to be honest, I don't like it. I think there's too many teams. And uh, I understand what the NHL was trying to do. They had good intentions because some teams were on the bubble. And, uh, you know, if you cut the season right there, uh, they weren't going to make it if you only had uh, X amount of 16 teams say, instead of 24. I would have gone the opposite way. And uh, I've written this. I would have gone – with just eight teams making it, it, just like the old days, four in each conference make it, and you have a Stanley Cup quarterfinal, Stanley Cup semifinal, and uh, a Stanley Cup final. And maybe you make some of those games, uh, some of those series best of five, uh, at, at least the first round maybe, then go best of seven, or, or maybe make the first two rounds best of five, and then a best of seven Stanley Cup final. To me, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, I know the Pittsburghs and the Carolinas, you know, if you did that, they wouldn't be in the playoffs. A lot of teams that under normal circumstances would be in the playoffs wouldn't be there. But I, I just think that you need to get the season over with as quickly as you can. And, uh, you know, is it unfair to some teams? Yeah, it would have been. But I think let's get the season done with. Let's not delay it. The longer you wait, uh, the higher the risk that that not only the coronavirus could come back, but that somebody on a team is going to catch it and spread it to somebody else on the team. And when you have 24 teams involved, 
you know, I don't wish this on, on anybody, but this, it increases the chance that a team is going to get the coronavirus, uh, maybe three, four players. And then what do you do? I mean, uh, you know, of course, there is a precedent. This happened in 1919 with the Spanish flu and the Montreal Canadian players, several of them came down with the Spanish flu. And uh, this is going into the Stanley Cup, the last game to decide the Stanley Cup champion. They couldn't play the game. They were playing Seattle and uh, Montreal said to Seattle, you know, we forfeit the last game and Seattle said, we're not taking the forfeit. No, we, you know, it's, you know, it's co-champions or whatever. And the league did not, they left it vacant. They did not have a champion. Huh. And, but credit to Seattle, which was in the league back then and yeah. of course coming in again. But uh, so there is a precedent. Several Canadians came down with the flu and one of them, a hall of famer actually passed away. Um, so, you know, it's it's tough. And again, I respect the NHL for what they're trying to do. I think they're trying to make it fair and and, and get the teams that are on the bubble a chance. But I, I just think uh, they're they're letting the season drag out too long. That's just my personal opinion. Well, Sam, before we run out of time, I want to make sure we talk about uh, your book. Your book uh, you wrote with Wayne Fish, The Men and Moments That Made the Flyers the Big 50. I read it over the weekend, and it is terrific. And in addition to the fact that it does cover pretty much all the important players and coaches, GMs, and moments, each of the 50 chapters is just five or six pages long and stands on its own. I like that. So you can jump around, read as much as you can in one sitting. It's definitely a fun read for Flyers fans and, you know, would make a nice Father's Day gift. So what else can you say about this book? Yeah, I, I appreciate you mentioning. Uh, yeah, we uh, we had a good time doing it. And, and uh, you know, we, we start out the very beginning and we and I don't want people to think it's just a history of the Flyers because, you know, we have stories on there about, chapters on Carter Hart and Ivan Provrove and Travis Konechny and, and uh, along with, you know, the flyer icons, if you will, the Bobby Clarks and the Bill Barbers and uh, Bernie Perron and Kelly, the tragedy surrounding Kelly Lindbergh. But we, but we also bring it forward and we have a lot of present day stuff. We even have stuff on gritty in there. And, and uh, I think one of my favorite chapters though, is, is the flyers in pop culture because it's kind of different. It's, it's, Behind the scenes look at how, and like like Richmond, who you guys uh, may know, was the uh, PR person at the Spectrum and the Wells Fargo Center. He's he's the guy that really is behind that. Like if you see the Goldbergs, for instance, you'll see um, Flyers jerseys and Flyers shirts and Flyer pennants and and all that. And and we talk about how that happens. Uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. They've had shows dedicated to the Flyers and yeah. and on and on. Movies we talk about and how uh, the iconic Flyers logo has been spread. And uh, so I, I enjoyed that that chapter and and how uh, you know famous people have uh, <laughs> have moved that uh, that logo forward and spread it all over the world. Not only in movies and TV shows, but Famous rock bands or, or famous soloists like Billy Joel, uh, you know, wearing a fire jersey at a concert. There's a lot behind that to make that happen. And then, uh, you know, his video goes around the world. And, and of course, the Flyers logo goes around the world. So, uh, you know, it, it's most of the book is about hockey and, uh, you know, the behind the scenes stuff, the front office. But a lot of it uh, is a lot of off the wall stuff like that. And uh, so Wayne Fish and I, Wayne. For those who don't know, uh, has been covering the Flyers for 40 plus years 
uh, mostly at the Bucks County Courier. And, uh, you know, so we had a real good time putting it together. And I, I appreciate you uh, giving us time to mention it. You can look it up on Amazon.com or Triumph.com. And uh, that's right. Father, I'm losing track all the time. Father's Day is coming up. So yeah. uh, we should start promoting it again. <laughs> losing track of all the days here. I hear you. <laughs> well, hey, Sam, one final thing before we let you go. Uh, Oscar Lindblom. What's uh, how's that all going? What's the what's the update on Oscar and uh, is he doing well? Yeah, he, well, he had surgery, uh, I guess, about three months ago. And and, uh, you know, all reports are that he's making great progress. Uh, I don't know if you saw or not that yesterday he was the Flyers nominee for the Masters yeah. trophy. And, and that, of course, is given to somebody who uh, has courage and perseverance and and I don't think anybody is more deserving than Oscar. And, uh, but, you know, he says that he's, he can't wait till he gets back on the ice and, and is able to play again. So that just hearing him say that is, is very, you know, optimistic. And uh, so our hearts and, and prayers really go out to him. He, he's such a great kid and, and a 23 year old who is very humble always has a smile on his face and uh, just a team player. The players love him. And I mean, he's, he was one of the most respected and beloved teammates, even obviously before this happened, it, it, it's, it's not like uh, uh, the love for him just came out. He, he is so respected in that room and uh, he was having a breakout season too. I mean, obviously yeah. uh, we all care mostly, you know, totally about all the, the medical problems that he's going through and battling the rare bone cancer. But, you know, you kind of forget that, Hey, when this uh, diagnosis came about December, he was tied with Travis Konechny as a leading goal scorer on the flyers, 11 goals. He, he was probably headed to a, a maybe a 30 goal season or close to it. And hey, Sam, <laughs> one last thing before uh, we let you go, you mentioned the Bucks County Courier times and it made me think that uh, our second guest is Tom Moore and when Tom found out that you were on tonight, he said, Sam is a good dude. Helped me a lot when I started doing Flyers games a few years ago. So there. Oh, Tom's a great guy. Yeah. yeah Tell him I said hello. And, and uh, he's a busy guy. He's he's covering almost every sport. I have an easy job compared to his because <laughs> I just focus on hockey. He focuses on everything. So uh, he's a great dude, too. I, and uh, Please send him my best. Will do. Well, hey, Sam, thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, Hopefully we get back together. We talk hockey when we're playing hockey. Sounds good. Anytime guys. All right. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, Sam. Take care. All right. Hey, Chad, if you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we've got the spot for you. All state insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do. Bill, one of the best benefits of having an all state insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. Call Dave today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The phone number is 610-430-0700. Once again, 610-430-0700. And Bill, we have this advice now for Major League Baseball owners and the Players Association. Come on, people now. I don't know how much of that we're getting out of that bunch, but uh, hey, Chad, I'll tell you what we're going to do is uh, 
We're going to come back to baseball because we have to talk a little basketball. The NBA has a plan to get started as well. Uh, they actually plan to finish the season somehow. So let's get the lowdown from, as you've just mentioned, the Sam Bucks County Courier Times, Tom Moore. Tom, welcome back to Philly Press Box Radio. Uh, great to be here. Thank you. Hey, Tom, we can't see your face just yet, but uh, hopefully that'll change. We don't see your smiling face. Huh. Well, we hear you. Yeah. We hear you. Hold on a second. We're working on it. We got our best guy working on that. Anyway, Tom, I don't know if you heard, but we just had Sam Carcidi on, and he said you're a pretty good dude, too. He said uh, you have a tougher job than him because you're covering all the sports right now, writing about everything, and Sam just has to deal with hockey. Yeah. There's Tom Moore. Yeah, I don't know what I don't know what the deal was. I'm on daily meetings for work and <laughs> I never had a problem. And all of a sudden I was there and then I disappeared. But there you are. Yeah. Uh Sam was really helpful when I did Flyers games two and three years ago. The other three sports you can kind of follow, you know, reasonably well, but the Flyers is just a totally different animal. Yeah. So he was very helpful, you know, and patient when I would ask questions and things like that. Um um, and I know him from before when he used to do the Phillies and some other stuff anyway. So the Flyers writers are a bunch of good dudes, I have to say. There you go. Tom, uh, Sam just told us, kind of gave us the schedule lowdown on hockey. Uh, quite honestly, it's a little disappointing. It's pushing way out further than certainly what I was thinking. It looks like, uh, what's the plan for hoops? What is this thing going to happen? Yeah, it sounds like it is, but it's, Bill, it's, it's, camps are going to start at the end of June. The season's going to start apparently at the end of July. Um, Mid-August, the playoffs will start, but the finals could possibly end as late as October 12th. And then, but then they want the following season starting December 1st already. No. So yeah, for the teams crazy. that make a deep playoff run, that's a sh- I mean, you're going to have like a month off. It's going to be really, really short. Now, I guess one advantage would be they're, they're going to try to condense the 2020-21 season, I guess, to allow NBA players to play in the Olympics oh, with them push back. So that's probably going to be a shorter season. Um, I personally, I, I don't understand necessarily – I would have wiped out the rest of the regular season. I wouldn't have done the eight games of the regular season. I wouldn't have done the the, the other teams, the six, the next six teams that are still close to the eighth spot within whatever it is, six games of the eighth spot, allowing them to play. That would have saved, uh, you know, weeks or so. Um, but they're going to have to make some concessions clearly, you know, down the road because, uh, I mean, I heard, and I think it's interesting that, that, the NBA likes the idea of competing two more months against baseball and two less months against the NFL, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Now, the way baseball is going, as you guys were saying, <laughs> who knows what's happening? And they, they may end up having a 50 game season or something. I mean, it's it's crazy that they can't they can't work this out. Both sides just they have no common sense that no, 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 no idea of what reality is anyway. Yeah. But yes, uh Basketball's going to be uncharted waters. Um, and next year, maybe 65, 70 games, try to compress it a little bit. Um, yeah, they're going to have best of seven playoffs and everything after. They, I guess the deal is if there's any teams, if a ninth place team is within four games of an eighth place team, they'll have a play in, play in games. Um, and 
in that scenario, the ninth place team to get that eighth spot would have to beat the eighth place team twice, <laughs> two in a row. <laughs> I mean, crazy. it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, 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 it just seems like so much extra work and everything, I guess it's, much. it's trying to give everybody a chance, but I mean, at this point when teams have played 63 to 67 games, I think everybody pretty know, pretty much knows who teams are and, 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 you know, where, where they fit in among the NBA landscape. Well, Tom, one team we know is the Philadelphia 76ers. And what we know from seeing them before March 12th, they're a great home team, maybe the best home team in the league, a subpar road team. And I guess we will find out next month and into September, you know, how they'll do on a neutral court. Give us an overview of, you know, what to expect from this team when they do finally get back to playing. Are we going to see a different lineup? Are we going to see more of Shake Milton? Yeah, when Brett Brown about three weeks ago had a, a Zoom call with us on a Friday afternoon for an hour, and he said, he, you know, don't expect a lot of changes because it's, it's going to happen fast, and it's not going to be – I would assume Shake Milton would probably start and Horford would come off the bench as long as Embiid is healthy. Um, Embiid was hurt, so that allowed uh, that allowed uh, Horford to go back in the starting lineup, you know, prior to the March 11 uh, suspension of play. But yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it, you know it, it's pretty obvious. But but you know, it, it all comes down to Embiid, who's never been healthy, and or in in a you know in top condition for the playoffs. And Simmons, you know, is he willing to shoot shots outside of six feet? Um, you know, he does so many things so well. But when there's something you won't do, and teams, at, you know, to win four games out of seven, um, it's you know the best team usually wins because everybody knows the plays. Everybody knows what's it's who, who, who is better, who, who improvises better, who figures things out, who responds to the pressure. So, you know, they're, they're kind of in a tough spot. They're sixth right now, even if they move up to fifth, um, they would end up playing Miami in the, in the first round. And then they get the, you know, the NBA leading bucks in the best of seven Eastern conference semifinals. Uh, if they stay six, theoretically, they could play the Celtics and then the, the Raptors that they win both of them, they would get the Bucks in the Eastern Conference, you know, finals. But you're going to have to be good teams, you know, either way. And, you know, there's there's a lot on the line for this team. There, there you know, could be some significant changes after the season, both on and off the court. Yeah. Hey, Tom, back to the logistics of this thing. They're, they're all going to play in the same arena, right? They're going to. There's three. I believe there's three courts. Three courts. Okay. So that way, you know, so you have like three games a day, theoretically, that's nine games that involves 18 teams, you know, and there's only 22. So just about everybody, I guess if, if you have four games, I guess theoretically everybody could play every day, but I don't know that they necessarily have to do that, but yeah, multiple games in the three, um, in the three courts down there at uh, Disney wide world of sports. Okay. That's what I was wondering because I was wondering if they were just going to have to play I thought it was only one arena where they would play from eight in the morning to right. night or something like a. Yeah, that would be, that would be tough. But yeah, there's three. And the thing that makes it easier is, you know, without having fans, you can play in courts where there's only room for a couple hundred people. Cause you don't really need, you have, I guess you have trainers and, you know, I, I don't even know if the media will be allowed in. We'll watch on closed circuit. We'll, you know, we don't know if there's going to be on, on venue ability uh and you know interviewing ability or it could be like this even if you're there uh, if everybody's supposed to play stay six feet apart logistically like the eagles how in the world are they going to fit 350 media members in that press box stay six feet apart 
and then do interviews. It, I don't, I don't see how it's going to happen. Hey Tom, the Sixers owner, Josh Harris also owns the New Jersey devils and is now apparently interested in bidding on baseball's New York Mets and also set up some sort of a super regional TV sports network. It's a weird combination of teams. Could this work? I don't know. I mean, I don't know a lot of people that are Devils and Sixers fans right off the bat, let alone um, throw in the Mets, maybe Mets and Devils. But if there are more than, you know, 20 people, uh, you know, in the Eastern United States that are fans of those three teams, I would be surprised. Um, You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess, I mean, Rarely do owners lose money when they buy, uh, you know, major four, you know, the four major sports. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you see that what they pay for them and you see Harold Katz bought the Sixers for like $15 million in 1982 and sold them for like $150 million um, in 96, I guess it was, uh, to Comcast and Josh, you know, and then when Josh Harris bought them, you know, their value is, you know, approaching the 1 billion mark. They, they, they are excellent investments. They don't lose money. So um, whatever you pay, unless there's some massive, something happens or there's some incredible correction, it's a, it's a good investment if you have that kind of paper. <laughs> hey, hey, Tom, I have to get back to this whole, this whole logistics thing because it's driving me crazy. Um, so what, what's your take on playing in empty arenas uh, nobody's, nobody's the home team. There's no crowd. Um, you know, I, I guess I, I feel like it's a money grab. It's just a money grab and, and not, it's not basketball. It's not going to be the real thing. It's going to be like going to a practice game. Yeah. I it'll hope be I'm like, wrong. It, right. It'll be like NBA, summer league games, but it, it, you know, in Vegas and Utah, except instead of uh, rookies and, and fringe NBA players and wannabes, it's the real guys. But I think what you're going to see is you're going to hear a lot of the referee, the coaches and the referees interaction and, you know, coaches calling plays and things that, you know, you never used to hear because of the crowd noise and so on. Um, but I guess it's a, you know, it's the only way they could salvage the season. And, you know, they're not, certainly not going to make the money they were making in the first uh, two thirds of the season, but I guess it's a way, you know, the NBA, has always crowned the champion since the league started in 1947. Um, they had lockouts where they only played 50 and 66 games, but they've always, you know, crowned a champion. The NHL didn't the one year. They had the one year they lost the whole year. Um, so I guess it's, you know, something that they're uh, something that they're bound to determine to, to do. But, yeah, it, it's going to be different. It's going to be, uh, yeah, a, a like a variation of the same game, but it, it's not the same. I mean, I guess if you're the Sixers and you're the sixth seed, you're happy in a way because you weren't going to have home court advantage in any round. So now there's no game seven on the road. I mean, it's in Orlando, but it's the road for everybody. So in that respect, it's a good thing. But it is going to be really weird, Bill. It is indeed. Hey, I want to switch it up and uh, squeeze in a little football talk. We're assuming there will be an NFL season, maybe with fans. We'll see. But it's the sense of a lot of observers, Tom, that the Cowboys had a better offseason than the Eagles and are now the favorites in the NFC East. Do you agree? And what about Jalen Rager and the big surprise, Jalen Hurts, that the Eagles drafted? Yeah, the Cowboys sure seem to have a good, you know, a really good, really good draft. Again, it's hard to say until you see, but in terms of reputation, in terms of, 
you know, uh, so-called experts and so on. A lot of people were pretty, you know, liked what they did both in free agency um, and in the draft. Um, it's hard to say that, you know, it, it's been so up and down that, you know, that, uh, that division. Um, the Cowboys have been, you know, were, were terrific a couple years ago and then, you know, disappointing. And, you know, last year it looked like, you know, no, nobody was going to win the division. The Eagles did, I guess, at nine and seven. Um, yeah, you know, the Eagles, they just seem like, and Andy Reid did this too, they, they never seem like they can pick the guy that everybody says to pick. They have to always do something. They're always smarter than everybody else. Yes. You know, uh, you can't take the guy that everybody wants them to. Um, you know, Jalen Rieger, a lot of people thought, you know, he was a second rounder. Uh, I know, you know, I, I don't, you know, if he's the guy you target, can't you trade trade back and pick up another third rounder? Um, Jalen Hurts, you know, very interesting. You know, does it does it mean they're not sure what's up with with Carson Wentz? Is it is it is it a hedge in case something happens with him? Um, do they really think he can you know he can play? He can help them not just at quarterback but in Wildcat and other situations. It's very surprising because the team has so many needs on the offensive line. You know, in the backfield, linebacker secondary uh, receiver, you know, it, it isn't like this is a team that was, you know, loaded and, and had no needs. And, you know, certainly you'd think you could get somebody that could help you at that spot. So very interesting to see, you know, what happened the rest of the draft. I like the Eagles. I thought they did a really good job, you know, picking up quality players, kind of more traditional uh, fashion. I really like Sean Bradley from Temple and Rancocas Valley. He's a linebacker. I think he'll be a special teamer and has a chance to get on the field, you know, right away. Uh, the rest of the draft rounds, you know, three and on, I thought they were fan, you know, beyond round two, I thought they were excellent. Yeah. And, you know, talking about the NFL, it's not going to be long and we're going to be in camp uh, and camp's going to get pushed probably too, because they're not going to be ready in July and August to, uh, to bring these guys in. So now we got, we're going to end up with football pushed out all into the fall as well, if we can get that far. Yeah, yeah, I think they've they've made some concessions and they they've had, they've given a lot of teams the same bye week, you know, later in the season uh with the idea that if one of the first couple of weeks gets washed out, that way they can, you know, they can accommodate at least one week's worth of games. But yeah, I would be surprised if, you know, the Sunday after uh Labor Day if all the games are all ahead full. I just think that's awfully quick um to do that. Will they be able to salvage a 16-game season? Will they push their season back? You know, what will they short? You know, what will they do? I mean, I, I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know at this point. But I agree, Bill. I, I, it just seems like a, a, a stretch to think everything's going to proceed on schedule uh, and with fans. Maybe eventually there'll be some fans in the stands, but I don't know that you're going to see even, let's say, thirty-five half, half of the crowd, 35,000 at the link for the six for the Eagles home opener. It just seems, seems too um, pie in the sky at this point. Yep. All right. Final thing from me, Tom, and I did give you a heads up that I was going to ask you about this. There are a lot of lists being made these days. So Tom, let me get one from you. The five greatest Philadelphia 76ers since 1970. So no Wilt, no Hal Greer. Yeah, I know. I, it's funny you say it. Cause I looked up Hal Greer. He played a few years in the he 70s, did, but, but he yeah, was mainly yeah. a sixties guy. You're right. Um, yeah, uh, let's go uh, number five. 
let's go Andrew Tony. I know he only had like four, you know, really, really good years, but boy, that guy, that guy, the Boston Strangler, he could really score. Um, number four, let's go Mo Cheeks. One of my, one of my favorite, probably my favorite NBA person. I covered one year as a player and three and a half years as a coach. Never, if he had a bad day, never took it out on the media. Only Sixers coach of the 15 I've covered that did that. Hmm. Uh, and laughed at my jokes too, which is very important. <laughs> um, let's see here. Uh, Top three. Yeah. Well, all right. You know what? Yeah. Let's go. Uh, number three. Let's go. Charles Barkley. Uh, number two. Allen Iverson mm-hmm. and number one, Julius Irving. Wow. Tom, I had the exact same top three. I had at number four, Moses Malone. Yeah, I know. I thought of that too. Uh, that, I know he was only here a short time the first go around, but, but I he, had him four, he, he, Mo he Cheeks five, I know Tony I can, six. Yeah, I considered him, and, and you, you can make a strong case. It's the old how, how many years right. and what you did in that time versus, but that that's. That, well, he won them. He helped win them a championship. So that no played. doubt about it. He put him over the top when they traded uh, Caldwell Jones and brought him in, and uh, he was something else. Well, hey Tom, we have run out of time already, but we certainly appreciate you taking the time to come on with us and uh, let us know what's going on, and hopefully we get back to playing ball. Well, I prefer the the phone stuff because uh, as a, people always tell me, I have a great face for radio. And unfortunately <laughs> yeah, now, that. you know, you see that that's definitely the case. So <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. Anytime. All we right, hear that Tom. all the time. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> take care. <laughs> hey, Chad, let's take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page so people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. There are only 21 lines available, so your chances of winning are 1 in 21. Pretty good odds. Check out their Facebook page. Like it or follow it. It's PPCC 118 Razroom. That's right. PPCC 118 Razroom on Facebook. That, of course, is the Rolling Stones, and that song is from the album Some Girls, which was released 42 years ago yesterday. How is that possible, 42 years, Bill? Um, I don't know, Chet. I just <laughs> don't know. But you know what I do know, uh, and this this goes along with that 42 years, on June the 10th of 1976, which I believe is 44 years, I was walking down the graduation aisle. Oh, ah. night 44 years ago. So how did that happen? Yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> well, speaking of those kind of things tomorrow, June 11th, 18 years ago in 2002, American Idol premiered. Did you ever watch American Idol? I know you watch the voice once in a while. How about American Idol? No. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. Come on. Yeah, there might've been one or two along the way, only because <laughs> my wife might've been watching it, but so, hey, hey, and speaking of that, on Friday, since we're talking uh, things like that, it happens to be uh, Mary Furman's 38th wedding anniversary. Oh. Oh. Now, that's with you, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it's her anniversary. What about you? Oh, it's my 
it's she's my, a luck, it's, lucky woman, I guess. Get the switch, sir. <laughs> <laughs> All right, hey, Jake, great guest tonight, and Sam Corcini, Tom Moore. Who's coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Let's do it. Well, you know, it's not etched in stone yet, so usually I don't like to say if it's not etched in stone. I'm going to be hopeful and say it's going to happen. If all goes well, we will have Crystal Rich joining us. Uh, We know Crystal from NBC Sports Philly, and she and Tyrone doing Sixers Outsider after Sixers games when they are, in fact, playing games. So she's hoping to be able to join us live next week. If she can't do it live, she'll pre-tape but either way we're hoping and it's going to happen i think crystal rich joining us next week maybe a second guest too who knows all right sounds good hey let's get back to baseball for uh just a few minutes because we we kind of got switched up there um are you done with your rant do you uh you have some more to say about how this thing is going down or not going down and uh if you if you had to point whichever finger you're going to point <laughs> which one are you pointing it at the most yeah, probably I'm still going to point it a little more at the owners because, I mean, they have a lot of money. And then the, the Cardinals owner said the stupid thing the other day. Well, there's not a whole lot of profit in baseball these days. He's the guy who bought a team for $150 million and now it's worth like $2.1 billion or something. So it went up like 14 or 15 times the price. So, yeah, there's there's profit in baseball still. It may not be the number one sport anymore, but – they're still making money, trust me. And I think the owners should make a little more in terms of concessions. I'm not saying it's all their fault, but if I had to point a finger at one of them, I'm going to say the owners. Well, you know, I certainly understand from the owner's standpoint, but I, the biggest problem I have with, it, with again, I've read, I think I read the latest one. There's one that comes out every day. Oh, every, yeah, I know. Every other day. Exact one, but I think I do. Uh, there's still no recovery for the player that gets hurt. What about this career-ending injury to a player that is playing for 30% of his pay or whatever the right number ends up being? Um, He doesn't get that money back ever. Uh, You know, pitchers are fragile dudes with those arms and elbows and things like that. So I certainly see that from from uh, from the player standpoint. The other thing I read is that the owners want them to sign a health waiver. Uh, related to the coronavirus. And I don't, there wasn't a lot of detail, wasn't any detail in that, but they called it a health waiver. And uh, I'm not signing that. I got to be honest. I'm trying not to read all of the fine details about it. Uh, There's just so much. And I just want to avoid the minutiae. I just want to hear an announcement that we're going to start play on July 10th and we're going to have an 80 game season. I just wanted to get to that point. Or, you know, if need be, we're not going to have a season this year. I don't want to hear that, but I'm tired of the every other day proposals. You know, this many games, that many games, this percentage cut. Uh, just just make some kind of decision. And I do think it's going to have to come in the next week because, you know, it's going to be July before you know it. Oh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I guess the thing that bugs me is why, why play each volley out in the media? Get behind the doors, beat exactly. each other up throw out the dead bodies, whatever you got to do, just get the deal done. And and we don't really, you say you don't want to read it. We don't need to know it. You know, it's really, it's none of our business. It's millionaires and billionaires fight with each other. And all we want to do is prop up, get a cold one and a hot dog and watch ball game. Speaking of getting a cold one, before I forget, I was at the Irish Rover on Sunday. And <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, 
they opened for takeout again last Thursday. They opened uh, for outside dining and drinking area uh, Friday afternoon. So they're open from 3 to 9. And I was there Sunday afternoon. I got there right at the 3 p.m. opening time. And by 3.10, all of the outside tables were occupied. So that was great to see. People are just really happy to be able to go places like the Irish Rover again. It was great to say hello to Tracy's daughter, Taylor, and of course, to our good friend, Christina or Chris. Uh, I, I had a real nice chat with her and she and the crew there are just so happy to be able to serve their customers again. My waitress on Sunday uh, was Brooke and she had actually just started working there at the end of February. And two weeks later, you know, the pandemic took hold and forced the closure. So, you know, imagine how she felt to get back to work and to see people and to start making some money again. So it's great to see these people in the hospitality industry, the service industry, you know, getting back to doing what they're able to do. So for the foreseeable future, the Irish Rover in Langhorn is going to be open Wednesday through Sunday, 3 to 9 p.m. for either takeout or to sit at one of the outside tables. Stop by and tell them Chet from Philly Press Box Radio sent you. That's awesome. Glad glad that they uh, have made it through this thing. Of course, I'm sure there's a lot of catching up that needs to be done, but uh, glad they're here. Some people haven't been fortunate enough to, to even get here. So uh, best of luck to them. And Chris hooked me up with a couple of take-home drinks. They come in like a pouch, like a sippy cup for a kid. It was like being a kid again, except there's like alcoholic drinks in it. So <laughs> I got a margarita, and I think it was like a rum punch or something. They were both delicious. So good deal. Uh, as long as they were drank at home, it's all yes. good. Yes. Uh, well, hey, Jet, one other thing. We modified, updated our Philly Press Box Radio website, where you can now watch this podcast. We have Vimeos, articles, uh, and we have a YouTube channel as well. Yeah, the website, of course, phillypressboxradio.com is looking good. I'm going to put a story on there, by the way, tonight or first thing tomorrow. So watch out for that. Uh, as for the YouTube channel, it's simple to find. Go to YouTube, type in Philly Press Box in the search tab, and you will find us. We have right now, I think, 21 videos there to check out. There'll be a couple of more in the days ahead. Our last six or seven now full shows are there, even some fun non-sports stuff, like our interviews with the great Willie Nile and longtime Philly DJ Debbie Calton, who just retired a couple of months ago. So please, please, please go to YouTube, subscribe to Philly Press Box Radio, it's free. Also, if you want to buy one of our fab t-shirts like you see Bill wearing tonight, go to our website. You can get all of the details on how to do that. We just sold a couple of more in the past week. Our friend Rob out in Vegas will have one in his uh, mailbox or doorstop on Saturday, I believe. So get one for yourself or for another Philly sports fan in time for Father's Day a week from Sunday. All right. Good deal. Hey, Jed, do you have a parting shot tonight, or did you already let her rip on the uh, baseball deal? Oh, I'm I'm all riled up tonight, so I do have another parting <laughs> shot. We've seen a lot of this stuff during sports downtime lists, as we discussed with Tom Moore. Uh, the greatest this, the greatest that. You and I ran down our all-time favorite players from each of the Philly pro teams and also compiled a Mount Rushmore of Philly greats recently. Well, somewhat similar to that, WIP right now is trying to put together a Philly GOAT list, the city's best pro athletes since 1970. So it's not really GOAT because that's the greatest of all time, but since 1970. You can submit your entry for your personal top 10. As it turns out, I wrote a piece very similar to this a few years ago, running down my top 10 from 1965 through 2015. That one, of course, was headed by Wilt, but the rest do hold up, and I don't think any of the choices will shock anyone. Wilt, not eligible, but here are my 10 Philly 
goats. Well, not really goats. Like I said, since 1970, here we go. They are all hall of famers in their respective sports. And here they are in order 10 to one. Number 10, Bill Barber, the great flyers winger. Number nine, Brian Dawkins, who just went into the hall of fame in Canton in 2018. Number eight, Charles Barkley loved Charles. Number seven, uh, Reggie White, Bill, number 92. Yeah, I have him ahead of Dawkins on this list. Sorry, Reggie White, number seven. Number six, AI, Allen Iverson. Number five, the great Bernie, Bernie, Bernie Perrant. Number four, lefty Steve Carlton. Number three, the doctor, Dr. J, Julia Serving. Number two would be that Bobby Clark. And number one, Michael Jack Schmidt. There you have it. What do you think? How'd I do? Uh, you did good. Yeah. Hmm. And by the way, people are talking about it on WIP a lot these days. Um, some people had, I swear to God, Nick Foles as number one. Look, we loved what Nick did. He had that great run in 2013. He had the great end of 2017 that ended in a Super Bowl win. But you can't put him number one on the GOAT list. Come on. No, no. No, I, I can't argue with your list. Uh, even even the Reggie White ahead of Brian Dawkins, I can't I can't argue that. That's that's uh, splitting hairs. So all right. Um, yeah, I, I I'd like to blow a hole in there somewhere, but I I don't know where that would be. Hey, three more birthdays on June tenth. It's the lovely lady list. Kate Upton is 28 today. Elizabeth Hurley, still looking great at 55. And I always like this lady. Gina Gershon is 58. So there you go. Happy birthday to those lovely ladies. Uh, Wrap it up, Bill. All right. Let's wrap it up. Let's thank tonight's special guest, Sam Carcini, Tom Moore, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet Chesco, that's you, Chet. This is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, June 17th at 7 p.m. You can see us live on Facebook right here or listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, among others. So with that, high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and Stay safe out there.